1: And may the works this day of, be of the highest good for all present and those listening. So mote it be. The circle is cast.
0: Hail Dictinus! Grant us clear voices, strong sound, and good reads. Magic is not supernatural. It's the force that powers the universe. Welcome to our community, Jason Mankey. Three! The 181st <laughs> episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. Our opening today is courtesy of The Witch's Book of Spellcraft by authors Jason Mankey, Matt Cavalli, Amanda Lynn, and Ari Mankey. Thanks to Velocity Rose for our intro music. You can find more of their work at velocityrose.com. You may call me
1: Ode. Merry meet. My name is Gwyn. I am Ode's mother. Unfortunately, Carr could not join us again tonight. Yes, there were work things. There were work things. Someone That that extended much
0: longer than we anticipated. Uh A mess mess was made and Carr is cleaning it up.
1: That's right. It's going to be just Gwyn and I. And, uh, and yes, our guest today, Jason Menke. That's right. We have Jason Menke again in the house. Well, sort of. He's on, uh, you know, in his metaphorically house. metaphorically in the house. We are in our house, but metaphorically, we are in our houses together. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and we have time travel because he's like, you know, three hours behind us. Right.
0: Our, our houses are connected by <laughs> microphones. That's right. And spirit.
1: So, <laughs> so that that's
0: close enough to being in the
1: house. Exactly. Exactly. So do we have anything that we need Any to Any housekeeping?
0: I, I don't think so. Don't so think I think we so. can just say that we are automatically housekept and house swept. Yes. All right. So Jason, welcome to the podcast.
2: Thank you for having me for a magical third time. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a big deal? Is that a big deal for you? Or have have you never talked to somebody a third time?
0: I think you're the only person we've had even more, more than, than once. <laughs> mm-hmm
2: wow (laughs) i feel really blessed now because i was thinking well three can't be that big of a deal out of 181 episodes
0: (laughs) yeah usually we do one interview with somebody and that's it this is the third time we've had you on the podcast so it's uh you're you're special jason you're special we
1: love you jason
2: (laughs) i feel like really special right now this is this is really exciting it's because of the michigan convocation connection
1: Probably. I mean, yeah. I feel
2: like I feel like I'm always closer to people in Michigan, even living out here on the West Coast. Like I just have like special relationships with other Michigander people.
1: That makes
0: sense. It's because, it's that... you know, to say Michigander. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> and you. you... You understand our feels. Here's
0: here's a feeling you might understand. We had snow again. I guess it was, it was Saturday. Saturday, Friday night and Saturday. After it looked like we were finally going to get spring, then came the final snow.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, it rained here today. That's like snow.
0: <laughs> snow adjacent. It's snow adjacent. Precipitation.
1: <laughs> it's California snow. Uh-huh.
2: It really is. People don't know how to drive in it. They like completely freak out. I've heard... Like police sirens, I think three or four times today, probably because of accidents.
1: Yep. See, he understands. Yep. (laughs) He knows the vibe. He knows the vibe. Well, Jason, the reason we have you here for a magical third time Mm -hmm. is because you have yet another new book (laughs) out that is absolutely stunning. It it is an amazing book.
0: So Jason, what does this bring your your total book count to now?
2: It depends on how you calculate because (laughs) The Witch's Altar... I co-wrote with Laura Tempest-Zacharoff. might only count as a point five of a book. So that would make this book then 7.5 or number 8. I think it's better just to say 8.
1: I think it's better to say Mm 8. And I'm going to be honest with you. I think out of all 8 books, which they're all excellent, Mm -hmm. whether you've written them by yourself or co-written them with other authors, I think this, by far, is my favorite book. It, it really is. I think that's just because you're in it. <laughs> well, <there's- laughs> she, may have, she may have a slight bias. <laughs> I have a slight bias because, yes, I do have a teeny tiny contribution in this book. But that being said, no, I, I seriously do. The book we're talking about today is the Witch's Book of Spellcraft and it is a practical guide to connecting with the magic of candles, crystals, plants, and herbs.
0: And honestly, I think that subtitle undersells it.
1: It does. Of course, it's written by Jason Mankey, Matt Cavalli, Amanda Lynn, and Ari Mankey.
0: One of the first things I wanted to ask you, Jason, I know this is not your first time co-writing, but uh, four authors for one book seems like it would be difficult to, to navigate. What was that process like?
2: It was very different from the other books that I've co-written. So the ninth book is a book about the Greek gods that I co-wrote with Estrella Taylor, and that's already done. So I've had a couple of experiences now. With Estrella and with Tempest, it's just Tempest goes, I'm going to write this chapter, and then I'll go, oh, yes, I'll happily write this chapter. And so there's not really collaboration in the sense that we're writing together. Mm -hmm. With Estrella, we did a little bit of that here and there, but for the most part, it was like, you know, I'll write the history of Hecate, you write the working with Hecate section, Boom. That, that's how we'll divide the book. This was different in that Matt and Amanda and Ari didn't necessarily sit down and write passages of the book. We would meet together, and I would ask some questions, and we would talk about magic, and I would take copious notes that make no sense to anyone other than <laughs> me. And then from there, I would take those notes, and I would write the book, getting like their ideas into the book besides my own. Mm -hmm. There are a couple of instances where Matt and Amanda did write some spells here and there. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, though, I would take that spell and kind of Llewellynize it because it's (laughs) different thinking about I'm going to write a spell for myself and then I'm going to write a spell for a book. Right. When you write a spell for a book, you have to be really specific and spell everything out. (laughs) (laughs) Haha, see what I did there? They have to spell (laughs) everything out in much more detail than you probably think when you're first starting to write. Mm -hmm. So I would take what they wrote and then kind of turn it into a spell that would fit better with what Llewellyn is expecting in the book. Mm -hmm. So all of the voices are in the book, but the writing process was a lot different than the other two. And I really don't want anyone to think that, oh, Jason wrote the book and put these names on the book. That's not the case at all. There are very clear instances where I'm sitting down with Ari and I'm going, Ari, tell me about stones. (laughs) You know, and I'm just taking notes about how she interprets various stones. And I did the same with Matt when it came to herbs, and I did the same with Amanda when it came to oils. So their voices are very much a part of this book.
1: When I read when I read the book, and as I read through it again, you can feel that everyone is represented in this, but yet there's a cohesion. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense when you tell us what the process is for putting it together, that everyone's voice was included, and you just kind of meshed
2: it. It's really great working with Matt, Amanda, and of course Ari is my wife. So you know we've been working closely together for a. <laughs> long time but matt and amanda have been coven mates of ours now for 10 years right and when we're working together doing magic we don't have to think about it out loud i mean we just do especially ari matt and amanda i am a terrible writer of spells until i kind of unlocked the code but i really needed their sort of raw ideas to do that part it's not something that i'm naturally gifted with in a coven ritual, I can just watch the three of them do things and they just like go to various spots and pick up stuff and know exactly how it's all going to fit together. And that is way out of my wheelhouse. Uh, so yeah, it was really important that they were a part of this project.
0: <laughs> it sounds like they're all sort of on the same magical wavelength.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Absolutely. There's something really intuitive about how they do magic together. I mean, I just, there are times watching Matt and Ari do stuff together. And I feel like they've been married for 20 years. You know, Matt's like, I'm going to, I'm going to get the road opener oil. And Ari's like, I'm going to get this stone. And, you know, they just all put it together. And, you know, there's a little bit of thinking out loud but a lot of it's just really silent and they all they just grab the things that they need to grab and throw it on there on our altar and we do stuff
1: that must be really beautiful yeah. to watch
0: so it sounds like your job in this book was almost to be a translator for them
2: it really was when we kind of put the, together the idea of the book the idea and we wrote the book during the height of covid mm-hmm. was that we were going to go into our ritual room where we've been doing stuff together for 10 years and basically I would just watch them come up with spells and then I would take notes in the background. I think we got to do that twice, but because of COVID, because we couldn't really have people in the house, because it's two different households, and because of the California wildfires, the few times we might have been able to come inside or do things together, we could not go into a room with an open window because the wildfires were so bad and the smoke was so bad. Uh, So that made it a lot more difficult. So a lot of it ended up being You know, groups over Facebook and Zoom calls, Mm -hmm. which sort of took out kind of a little bit of the magical spontaneity. But Matt and Amanda and Ari have been doing spells for so long, Mm -hmm. you know, that they had a lot in there cupboard, so to speak. Yeah. And working
0: together for so long. So right. they already had that foundation.
2: Absolutely. Uh, that's one of the really cool things about this book is I could sort of read their brains if there was something missing from a spell outline and could kind of put it all together.
1: What was the inspiration for this? Because I know you, you said this was during COVID. You had finished the previous book, right? The, the Horned God. What made you decide that you needed to do this book? I always try to write
2: books that answer questions that I've had. So, when you read spell books, there's often all of these spells in the book, and maybe it tells you a little bit about how to do the spell, but it never tells you about how the magic works. What makes candle magic different from herb magic or crystal magic? You know, what, what makes these magical disciplines unique? And writing the book was an attempt to sort of explain that. I don't think that I really succeeded as much as I might have liked, but I really wanted to point out that... Certain types of magic work differently. Some of them are more immediate with results. Some forms of magic are bigger. Walking around with a stone can be a magical exercise Mm -hmm. because the stone has energies that's going to do certain things. However, it's not the most potent magic, and I wanted to explain kind of how these different things work. So that was the idea behind the book. I had the idea in the shower. I feel like I have every idea for books in the shower and I jumped out of the shower and started like writing down the table of contents, which is the same thing I did for the Horn God book. And then while I was doing that, I sent a message to Matt. I was like, Matt, do you want to work on a book with me? And Matt's like, yes, I want to work on a book with you. <laughs> and then we were, then he was like, you know what? We should bring Ari into this. Gotta have Ari. And then he's like, we should bring Amanda into this. So, that that's kind of how it evolved and then i sent them messages and amanda said yes ari said i don't know i'm always gonna be around i don't know and then she kind of kind of you know came (laughs) aboard and decided that it would be okay for professional reasons she worries a little bit about putting her name on a witch book
0: Mm, that's understandable that's fair fair. it sounds like matt was just waiting for an opportunity
2: right
1: that that was an immediate yes (laughs)
2: Matt helps run a witch store in our area, and he's been doing workshops for a little while and, you know, has a lot of magical background and knowledge. So this was a really good opportunity for him and Amanda, too, to really kind of put their name on a book. And I don't think that books provide legitimacy necessarily, but for a lot of people, when they see that someone has written a book and that their name's on the book, they look at them just a little bit differently. So now... When Matt's teaching a class or Amanda's teaching a class, they could say, "Look, I wrote about this in my book."
1: Yeah. And
2: there's a lot of pride in that, of course, but I also think there's a lot of power and energy in being able to do that.
0: Mm-hmm. And there's just name recognition. That's true. Yep. Which is its own kind of
2: power. I hope. I want. They need to up. They they need to up their social media games, though. I'm like, <laughs> come on, come on! You got to take pictures of the book. Got to promote this shit. You've, uh, you know, you got to be out there. You got to let people know who you are. Got to go find
0: it in the wild, take a photo, put that on Twitter. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Oh
2: my god. And Amanda, she's going to be in the Llewellyn Spell a Day Almanac. We collaborated to do spells for that. So I mean, I think, I think Amanda and Matt have a real opportunity if they want it, you know, to to write more and teach publicly and that sort of thing.
1: Oh, that's cool. That's very cool. I'm, I'm glad to hear that this is going to hopefully be a stepping stone yeah, for both be of them. Yeah, a little springboard. But
0: the stuff in here that has been specifically called out as being Matt and Amanda's content, especially some of Matt's spells in particular, mm-hmm. I was very interested. It, it would definitely be interesting to see him write a solo book mm-hmm. or teach in an event that I was able to attend or something like that. Absolutely. Join our Tiger Crystal at Apothecary Teas. This shop produces fragrant, aesthetically beautiful teas that delight all the senses with handcrafted tea blends from white to red to green. This week, I recommend Absinthe, a blend of gunpowder green tea, licorice root, honest seed, ginger, fennel seed, and green peppercorn. Find them at apothecaryteastore.com or on Facebook at Apothecary Teas, LLC.
1: Now you mentioned earlier that <laughs> I have a little contribution in this book <laughs> which as soon as it was published I announced very proudly. <laughs> but I was curious as to what made you decide because you mm-hmm. you know you have this Little cabal of uh, between the <laughs> four of you of, of uh, creating these spells in this book and right you've already got so many authors already got so many authors what made you decide to ask people if they wanted to contribute a spell
2: well we wanted to put hundred spells in the book writing a hundred spells is challenging and I thought <laughs> hey I could yeah. farm some of those out. I bet if 20 people said they would write me a spell, wow, that would really save me some time. But it was a little bit more than that. Part of it is magic is a really personal practice. Mm -hmm. And everybody who practices magic does it just a little bit differently. I hate books that talk about absolutes when it comes to deity or magic. I think there's a lot of wiggle room and a lot of different ways to do things. And I thought that having outside contributors in addition to my co-writers would expand that idea, showing that there are many different kinds of ways mm-hmm. to do magic. You know, there's a traditional witchcraft kind of spell in the book from my friend Ian. And I I know that when I sent that to Llewellyn, they were, all, that I think they wanted to ax it because it's so very different. It has that sort of cadence of traditional witchcraft books, which is often sort of hard to understand unless you're like used to reading things in that genre. So I wanted, you know, to show that I wanted to show that, Hey, here's another way to do this magic. And that was why I thought it was important to have contributors.
1: I want to take this moment to say thank you for allowing me to be a contributor. It was a, an incredible honor. And uh, I'm, I'm just really thrilled to have been a part.
0: And I did honestly, I really appreciated reading through this book, how often you go out of your way to say, I'm describing it this way, or this is the way I do it, but it's not the only way to do it. Mm-hmm. I really appreciated How much you highlighted the versatility of magic and magical traditions Mm
2: -hmm. i that's a conscious thing on my part it's something i really wanted to do again i really don't like talking about absolutes with magic i will tell you though so there's some funny stories while you're writing a book and I'm doing the final edits of the book. I'm working with a woman named Andrea, whom I love at Llewellyn. She's been the final editor on all my books. And she goes through line by line and she says, I don't think this language is good or that you could be clearer here, etc., etc." Even before we started, she sent me this note. She goes, Jason, I've noticed that you use the word generally, like a lot maybe all the time. I think in your latest book, there are over 100 instances of you using the word generally. And, you know, I replied that generally I like using the word generally, but I use the word, I use the word generally and, and it's been taken out in many spaces because I do use it too much, but I, I like that kind of language. Cause I'm trying to say that I am not absolutely right or, you know, Maybe for the most part, people think of this stone in this way. However, not everybody does, and that's okay. You know, it's really hard to write that language sometimes without repeating yourself over and over, like Uh saying generally a hundred times in the text.
0: I think you' you you hit a really a difficult balance between mm-hmm. expressing that sentiment of there are many ways to do things and coming off as wishy-washy and you you hit that balance really well, I think, and so we may have Andrea to thank for some of that <laughs> thank, thank you
2: Andrea. You. I, you know you you do try to hit it, and I will say sometimes when you're working with Llewellyn, they want some absolutes of mm-hmm. uh, all of the books there are things. So in the Witch's Wheel of the Year book, there are 24 rituals in that book or something like that. And I you know, don't start the quarter calls always in the east or the north or whatever. I start in a lot of different places. So at one point, I got a list of notes like, Did you really mean for people to start the quarter calls in the west and i was like yes because i was trying to show that you can start the quarter calls in the west because it's a circle right we're making a circle and then they were like oh so then they're they're like oh avoid you know ignore the rest of these notes and when i was writing the spellcraft book there are times when we contradict ourselves with spells and in the text And i point out pretty early i said you know there are lots of opinions about magic and this this book represents the opinions of at least four people plus the contributors so there will be some times when i write something and then maybe i kind of contradict it later on and they pointed out all those times when we contradicted ourselves and i think there's a spell of matt's where he's it's like breaking up with somebody and He's, I think he's using a candle, and usually when you start at the bottom of the candle and anoint it with oil, you're doing that for gain, right? Because you're starting at the base and going upwards. Mm-hmm. But this spell was constructed to push somebody away, and it just feels like that would be the natural way you would hold a candle, and if you were consciously trying to push someone out, maybe you would start at the base and then go up towards the wick. And, you know, that was pointed out to me that we'd kind of contradicted it ourselves, but... In the context of that spell, it made perfect sense to me. So yeah, Llewellyn kind of likes absolutes.
0: There's an intuitive quality to magic that doesn't gel necessarily with, with absolutes and with with logic necessarily.
1: That's right. Oh my goodness. The one thing I, I do like about your book is that you include basic principles. Like a beginner could pick up this book and, and understand the foundational <laughs> how- principles of how spellcraft
0: works how Gwen and i have been describing this book is as not a 101 or a 201 it's a 102
1: (laughs) (laughs) and i also feel like this is one of those books that you could hand to someone who they're new to the craft but and they don't know what path they want to go on Mm -hmm. but they want to understand the basics the foundations and things like that and i feel like this book covers those things in and it's a very sequential kind of thing so you just kind of build It builds on as you go through.
0: I feel like this could be the textbook for a, for a a witch's early study. It it absolutely could.
1: I love that. But it also is a wonderful textbook Uh for advanced witchcraft. For someone who's been in the craft for years. And who's made, especially if you've maybe gotten into a rut, you exactly. always just close the same way. Yep. Or if you got someone in the middle, this is just, it It really is honestly a very versatile book mm-hmm. that could be used by anyone who wants to either learn or improve or spice up their witchcraft.
0: Now, I will say, Jason, I was a little surprised that this book doesn't have as much of a Wicca focus as you often do.
1: That's true. See, I've like
2: re- I've been reading my books out loud on Patreon uh-huh. the last couple of months. And if you go back to The Witch's Athame, which is my first book, it has a chapter called The Knife in Traditional Witchcraft. All of my books, despite me being a Wiccan, and despite everyone thinking that I only write about Wicca, I have included, like, lots of different types of witchcraft in everything that I've done. I'm not trying to be defensive, and I know it sounds like (laughs) that. But I'm just just really proud of that because I love witchcraft. Mm -hmm. I love all the different kinds of witchcraft that we do. And I try to be as representative of it all as I can. I would say that, okay, just because you're a Wiccan doesn't mean that you're, like, stuck in only this sort of little weird Wiccan paradigm. I mean, I... There's spells in there that Ari was horrified that to know that I had done. She's like, "These are really mean, Jason." Did you? There's there's a poppet spell in particular that's like, oh. "Wow!" And I was I was like, "Yeah, yeah, you know, that's me too." Sometimes I, saw, right? I
1: love that poppet spell. I, I think that pop spell is amazing. And I wanted to say, I was really impressed that you include on Baneful Magic. Yeah, as, the whole discussion, know, the of whole discussion Magic. on hexes and curses in this book. I think that that's an important thing that mm-hmm. often gets ignored or just left left out. Or of, glossed really quickly. Yeah, or glossed really quickly in other books on witchcraft and spellcraft. It's very well-rounded. Mm-hmm. We were really
2: proud of that particular section of the book. I think that was probably me and Matt and Amanda the most Ari's kind of the nicest person I think <laughs> out of this with, when it comes to how we do magic though, Ari scares me the most out of everyone, <laughs> but you know, because we've, we've all done that sort of magic before. There are times when we really do think it's appropriate.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: What like if, on social media of the last five years, there have been all these weird arguments about the Wiccan Reed and people, I don't follow the wicked Reed. And the word Reed means advice or counsel. It doesn't mean absolute law that people have to follow. With with all advice or counsel, you're free to either use it or look the other way. I think as a witch, sometimes if you don't take action, I mean, that's probably the biggest mistake of all, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. if you can change circumstances, I think you have an obligation in most cases to change those circumstances. And if that means using some hexing or some baneful magic, hell yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because
0: yeah, there, there are definitely
1: situations where if you don't take some kind of action, uh, you become complicit. hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And it is part of spellcraft. So I, I think it's excellent that you included it, this in here, along with some spells. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I was
0: very impressed with with just sort of how you presented the debate on the subject, mm-hmm. I guess. You, you know, there
2: are a couple of other instances in the book where I thought we dived into some b- debates. There's a little bit on White Sage. In I the see, book. Yes,
0: I saw that and appreciated that as well.
2: Yeah. I mean, there's, it feels like on social media, there's like no nuance to anything, right? I mean, you have to, uh, yes or no, like immediately kind of thing. And we wanted to approach it a little bit differently, kind of explain the whole story. And it's not something I think any of the four of us use but for some people it's probably really important or it wouldn't be in every witch store that we go into so if people are going to buy it anyways you know what's the best way to help guide them to buy it you know what is Mm -hmm. the best ethical way to do it where should you get it from if a native if a native american tribe is selling white sage it's good to buy it from them i mean if they're selling it they obviously want you to buy it i assume Uh, so they can make money from it so that's good there's also another uh, kind of conversation about stones and crystals about where they come from Mm. and that having to delve into that was like heartbreaking because most of the stones and crystals that we get are mined in just people are working under terrible conditions there is no respect for the earth at all Mm. It, it feels really weird as a witch to like work with this stone And then think about how it was extracted from the earth in this Mm -hmm. really sort of horrible way most of the time, though there are some stone and crystal shops that really go out of their way to try to source where their stones come from, Mm -hmm. which we include that information in the book, and we hope that people will take an interest in that.
1: Mm hmm. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, and I found personally, and you did sort of uh, mention this in the book, you're going to have much more luck figuring out where your stones were sourced if you go to a stone shop as opposed to a witchcraft shop. Yes. Yes. I think because a lot of the witchcraft stores sort of get their stones bulk ordered just from whatever supplier is available, and the supplier may not even know.
2: I know a lot of people who own witch shops, and it's fascinating to hear them talking about going to like the giant crystal shows and stuff. Mm-hmm. and hmm even by that point you may have lost where the stone came from i mean because it was mined in africa or asia and then shipped over here and then somebody is now selling it to you at a table in arizona or wherever it is yeah um yeah Um, maybe we should look at more stones that we can find in our backyards
0: yeah, yeah, there are a lot of, just the same way there are a lot of local herbs you can use, a mm-hmm. uh, lot of local and native plants, there are a lot of local and native stones that you can pick up that'll have uh, plenty of their own interesting properties.
1: Mm-hmm, absolutely.
2: As as a colorblind person, stones are the thing that give me the most difficulty. Because a lot of times they all look the same to me. I can feel that they're different. But if you're telling me to pick something out, like if Ari were to say, Jason, pick out Tiger's Eye, I would just laugh at her.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I would imagine stone identification is challenging for you. One of the things that I especially appreciated about this book and the reason I've been telling uh, my brother who works in a witchcraft store to... Uh, get it for his shop Mm -hmm. uh, to give to all the newbies who come in is there's a lot less content in this book that I would quibble with or have like minor complaints (laughs) about like the language or the implications. Like I really appreciated that you mentioned in here, like some people gender plants and stones, but we're not going to. Some Mm -hmm. people say the moon is feminine, but is it really? I appreciated the whole conversation about smudging and white sage use. I would say this is, in general, a, a less problematic early witchcraft book. And so I, I really hope it becomes sort of the cornerstone of a lot of people's practice, just mm-hmm. because it cuts out so much of the garbage that's in a lot of the older texts.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and there's so much confusion going around on the internet, on yep. social media, and in books. What is good? What what's is accurate? What's Accurate authentic. information, Yeah. You know, and it can be really hard and very confusing for people, which is why I really think this is the best book for Spellcraft that I have read. I think it will be an incredible help to people on all levels.
0: I have a maximum of two quibbles with this book. Oh, my. The the first, I know, (laughs) usually Um, I have way more than that.
2: (laughs) I was just going to say, I've been enjoying listening to the two of you compliment the book, and I'm willing to just be quiet for the next 30 minutes and just listen to that. Because it's been really nice. (laughs) Ari said the other day, she's like, even the reviews on Goodreads are good. That never (laughs) happens.
0: It's a good
1: book, Jason. You wrote a good book. You wrote
0: a good book. So my my two quibbles are creative visualization is the one part in the book where you go a little more absolute than I would like. Yeah,
2: I can see that.
0: I know there are some people, uh, particularly people with aphantasia, but also some people who have difficulty concentrating, people with ADHD, that kind of thing, who just can't do creative visualization, period. And so I would have appreciated, I guess, a mention of that somewhere in that section, sort of the way in the, the written word section, you talk about how sometimes it's uh, not feasible for someone or it's much more difficult for someone to, uh, to write out their intention. So like you describe creative visualization in here as being difficult, but also as being in some ways essential. So I would have, I guess, appreciated an acknowledgement that for some people, it's just not achievable.
2: Yeah, I I agree with that. I I think your quibble is is well taken. (laughs) I will admit that I am like a huge fan of creative visualization and that sort of reflects my own biases.
0: Fair and as am I, this is stuff that this is feedback I've acquired over the years.
2: One of my first books, and I'm really looking forward to listening to your second quibble too. one <laughs> of your one of my first books of, that was magical that really affected me in a really positive way and really helped me kind of build a magical practice was a book by a new age author called Shakti Gawain which you know is a terrible name and i'm pretty sure that's not her real name and <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> called creative visualization you know it was an, it's a it's very much a new age book but it was about you know using creative visualization to manifest your desires, you probably didn't even call it magic, but using that process, I just it like opened up magical worlds to me. So I will admit, I'm a, like, it's a big crutch for me, it's something that I go to a lot.
1: I think that's fair,
0: I, and I, I, I completely understand that. That's definitely the basis of my magical practice, and I have a hard time imagining, ironically, how people who can't do that perform magic but i know that they do and that they need more resources out there so that's just some feedback for you for future books
2: absolutely and maybe the next time i get to update the book now I actually want to put some things in there. Now I have lots of ideas. Thanks. Now you've given me more work. I really
0: appreciate that. You're welcome. <laughs> and I'm sorry. <laughs> and then my second quibble was just that you go into to sigils here, but you don't mention my favorite method of sigil magic and arguably one of the foundational sigil magic styles, the Austin Osman Spare style, where you write out your statement of intention and then you turn all those words into lines and then you combine those lines into a
1: sigil shame on you
2: (laughs) you know i don't really do i don't so i don't really do lots of sigil magic and so amanda was the one i think mostly amanda but some matt probably too were the ones who really kind of led me through that part like you know maybe let's do this let's do this and the book is really incomplete in a lot of ways, and I try to make people aware of that very early on in the book. <laughs> you know, I think it says at one point we spent four pages on sigil magic, and Laura Tempest Zacharov wrote a whole book on it.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> if I get to do the expanded edition, right? <laughs> there, there, that's another.
1: Well, the thing is, spellcraft is such a, a large topic; it is. it's very broad, it, and know, this book is already—it's very how many pages, com- is it? Yeah. It's not a small with, the, with book. the
0: bibliography, which I definitely appreciated. By the way, Jason, excellent
1: bibliography. It was three hundred and twenty-eight pages exactly. Um, so, and and there's so much in spellcraft, but this still manages to be very comprehensive mm-hmm. and touch on a lot of things that are just not talked about in in other.
0: Yeah, my only two complaints books. are absolutely nitpicks. This is a great <laughs>
1: book. <laughs>
2: The first one, though, is really legitimate and, you know, and now it really is making me think about some things because it's really important to me that witchcraft always be accessible to everybody,
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know, no no matter what. It is. And sometimes I think, you know, it's easy to lose. It's easy to write about things in a way that might exclude somebody sometimes. And, mm-hmm. you know, I always want to do the exact opposite of that. And now I'm going to hijack this conversation because you two were talking about something that really annoys me so much Ooh. gendering tools and and like magical things yeah i hate that so much yep like i re i've reread every sort of wicca magic witchcraft 101 primer from the last 40 years you know because i keep seeing those books recommended over and over again and i just have to say that a lot of them make me want to vomit in my mouth <laughs> the whole you know <laughs> gendering tools like that's a big thing it's got cunningham's wicca a guide for the solitary yeah. practitioner and i think that he would have changed that had he lived longer because mm-hmm. i think that's the kind of person he was but it's amazing how little attention people pay to what they read 40 years ago. And mm-hmm. then think, oh, this is still great. And maybe it's not great.
1: I confess, I confess, I was a Scott Cunningham beginner. Baby witch. Baby witch. So yeah, for a, a couple of years, I, I have been saying, oh, you should read this. You should read Scott Cunningham and stuff. And now I went back and reread it. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh no.
0: <laughs> maybe not. We'll recommend this from now on. Yes. But, be- <laughs> but just, just know, Jason, that, that that complaint you have makes my non-binary heart very pleased
2: it's oh it's just so dumb and i'm a gardenarian and i think it's stupid i mean that right. that just tells you where we are today yeah right the, it's it's a knife you know like you don't <laughs> you, you don't have to put it on a special side of the altar because you know, you think it's only masculine. It's a knife. That's really what it's there for. There's
1: a, there's a very Freudian element to that whole situation, I think. Well, and the thing is, too, I've, um, I'm have i on TikTok and I've noticed I haven't seen a lot of these arguments, but I've seen people referencing them mm-hmm. about how you have to do the alter the right way. And I'm assuming it has to do with what you're talking about with the gendering of, of tools, you know, that you have to have your cup on one side and your knife on one side and your sensor on another side. I've never set up an altar that way. so. But does that, do you understand what they're talking about?
2: I have no idea. (laughs) I mean, maybe, maybe it's that, or maybe they read a book that has like a suggested altar Mm set up and they think that that's the absolute, Ari and I would be like screwed so hard. We keep two, two chalices on the altar at all times. My (laughs) athame is there, her athame is there, you know? they'd hate our altar (laughs) there's too much junk on this
1: well and my altars get very busy yeah yeah we have we have pretty busy altars and many of them you know Mm -hmm. we don't have just one altar there's i got altars all over this all over the house yep i
2: i will i will confess to something though so i you know like i really like ritual i like doing things in a particular way and so when we do set up our coven altar it's set up in a particular way i don't think anyone else notices other than me because i'm the one who sets it up but the wand is always in the same place the white handled knife is always in the same place obviously the pentacles always in the same place you know i to me it's really important for whatever reason mostly probably so i can just find stuff when we're doing work but there's no right or wrong way ever to set up an altar there's only the way that is right for you and that can change every time you do ritual too that's you, right
0: you know jason that now that you've admitted to this your coven mates are going to be <laughs> they're going to be checking the altar and they're going to be you know moving things three inches to the left
2: <laughs> <I> better not
1: <laughs> better not Going back to the Witch's Book of Spellcraft, I think that that is very clear in here that you do it how it works for you. Here's a way. Here's a way. Here's the here's the you know some foundation that you can build on.
0: I'll tell you what I what I think I loved best about this book, Jason. I loved the chapter at the very end about creating your own spells mm-hmm. and walking someone through that process. That was great.
2: That was the last thing we wrote. So you write a book for Llewellyn. You send them your draft, your first draft, and they send you a bunch of notes, you know. And sometimes, sometimes the notes are useful. Sometimes they make you want to scream and pull out your hair. But one of the things in the notes was – you need a final chapter explaining you know, how to put it all together. So that was really one of the last things that we wrote for the book. And it was funny, too, because my editor's like, you need to cut 20,000 words because your books are always too long. And <laughs> then with, and I did cut 20,000 words, but out of like everything she told me to add, I added another 20,000 words. So it was a wash. <laughs> I didn't really cut any words. It was the same length both times.
1: And that's well, why this that's is a 300-page book. <laughs> Jason Mankey, the Stephen king of Llewellyn, uh, always writes too my, many words. <laughs> my
2: magical name is Verbose, you know, I, I can't help it. I will say, uh, you know, sometimes I open up a box from Llewellyn and there's a book in it, you know, and it's not obviously not my book, and I'm like, this is a blog post. Why is this book so small? <laughs> You're kidding me. You want me to pay $16 for this? Transformative <laughs> witchcraft is like five times the size of this and is only an extra $4. For
0: this pamphlet? Yeah. So, That's right. Yeah. That's-
2: I do think small, uh, shorter books often sell better though. So well, I've been trying to get better at being less verbose.
0: Well, I have no complaints about your long books, Jason. C- no. Keep writing them. Thank you.
1: Well, and the thing I also like about this book is that you include the appendixes, which, you know, have lists and of you know general properties of stones and colors and crystals and oils and herbs and stuff, but you also have a master list of spells. And then I think you also have spells by category. You know, there are a lot of ways to go through this book. There are a lot of ways to go through this book, and so you can read it all at once, mm-hmm. or you can look at the appendix and find what you what you need, what you're looking for. It's just put together very, very. Very well. And for everybody who's listening, the poppet spell you need to check out for vanishing protection and uncrossing is "Shut Your Lion Mouth Poppet" by Jason Mink.
2: Yeah, Ari's still horrified by that. Just,
1: it's
2: like, like you have sides, husband sides I did not know about.
1: And then you also have a glossary of terms in here, which I think is going to be helpful for people. You know, and then of course the resources and bibliography that has a lot of good information. And I I just want
0: to briefly call out the the cover on this book. It looks very classic. It does.
1: It does.
2: I feel like we stole Matt Orrin's Psychic Witch cover.
1: it does have a similar vibe yes it could be the same the same artist Uh uh-huh
2: well i mean it's it's different in a lot of ways the fonts are different matt's has a picture of an owl on it there are no pictures of really anything on the cover but the the stark black and white Mm -hmm. reminds me a lot of matt's cover ari hates the cover Uh, (laughs) the rest of us liked it well enough but ari hated it she she thinks I don't know she thought it like made the book look more aggressive maybe magically than than it is
1: i think it makes it look like an older grimoire like an older book yeah yeah it does yeah honestly it reminds me uh isn't there like i haven't read it i'll confess the the witch's bible by the frosts Mm. i think the
2: ferrars yeah the ferrars Yeah. Yes, there's huge differences between those two. Couples. Oh, my. The Frost and the Ferrars. Yes. 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 That
1: is very true. <laughs> but that's what this. The of- only the only similarity is the F. Yes. Um, but this this kind of makes me think of this is a book that's going to become a classic and will be around for a long, long time mm-hmm. and will be a good resource for people.
0: I, I genuinely hope this is a book that we're going to start seeing on every witch's shelf. Just Absolutely. As a, a standard to refer back to.
1: Join our tiger Amanda
0: and relax with the salts of Wonderful Body Co. These soaks and scrubs, inspired by popular books and characters, are designed to delight multiple senses, with fragrant scents and sparkling mica. You can also find rollerball fragrances and hair oils. With dozens of options available, you're sure to find something you like in the Wonderful Body Co. collection. This week, I'm recommending Magic Cream, a cocoa butter lotion scented with sweet almond, frankincense, and rosemary. Find Wonderful Body Co. online at wonderfulbodyco.com, or go directly to the shop at etsy.com slash shop slash wonderfulbodyco.
1: And are they going to do an audiobook, Jason?
2: I The audiobooks are completely out of my hands. I've only ever had one book turned into an audiobook. I think some of it is the length of what I write right? because it's going to be longer. I'm not sure how many spell books get turned into audio books either, though. I mean, there's a lot of information in this book that are not spells, but so far there's been nothing. The Horn God book was the only one. It's kind of sad. And the sales for this book have been pretty good. I think we're already going to our second printing, so
0: we've talked before on the podcast about how audiobooks are another accessibility thing mm-hmm. that make that make these books more accessible to people who don't have the, the time or don't have the capacity, the spoons to sit down and read a mm-hmm. book. So maybe we should be lobbying Llewellyn to do some to turn some more of these spell books into
1: audiobooks. I will say I do have the audiobook for the Horned God and it's wonderful. I love it. It's very well read. So weird. Um,
2: it's really weird to hear somebody read your words and to not have your cadence it's really strange
1: you don't hear it in how you wrote it and how you heard it in your own voice and yeah yeah but i will say hint hint llewellyn that silver raven wolf's solitary witch which is a fucking massive tome Mm -hmm. that's an audiobook if you can do it for
0: silver raven wolf you can do it for jason mankey that's right so,
2: I will, I will tell you all that Llewellyn doesn't really handle their audiobooks at all. They sell the rights to Audible. So, oh. it's Audible who decides whether or not a book is going to be an audiobook. I think Llewellyn has begun dipping their toes into audiobooks a teeny, teeny bit. Mm-hmm. I think they might have done the Sabbath books in-house that came out a few years ago. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, it's all Audible, which is one of the reasons, too, that sometimes they'll have different covers. Yeah. For the audio book versus the real one, yeah, like the Horn God book has a picture of Kurnonos, not the Laura Tempest Zakroff art, because oh. they didn't want to license the art oh. for Tempest oh, and Llewellyn, funny. and they did that to her. They like wouldn't te- license her art for yeah. her book,
1: <laughs> that's <laughs> for
2: the audio version. Bad. So there's like other art on her book that's not hers, which yeah, that is it's weird. Crazy. That's crazy.
1: That's that's very yeah. This really, I think it would, This would be great if it was an audiobook because mm-hmm. it is in, written in such a fashion that you can, you know, even the the spells are just very clearly well presented, well presented, yeah. and it could be read to someone and it would be understandable.
2: If it continues to sell well, it might and they might pick it up. I mean, that has a lot to do with it. Yeah, yeah. I think the Horn God sold well like when it you know in pre-orders so mm-hmm. that uh, so i got the note for the audiobook maybe a couple of months before the book was actually published so yeah. if this continues to sell well and it's doing pretty well you know maybe they'll decide to look into it i hope so i also read my books on patreon so yeah you can always listen to me read the book
1: that's
0: true and then you get with... it in in jason's voice that's right
2: and lots of mistakes and <laughs> often side stories usually a couple side stories
1: (laughs) but that's the fun part Uh uh-huh
2: yeah it's expanded it's expanded edition
1: (laughs) now does anybody in the uh discord do any of you have questions for jason or about the witch's book of spellcraft or i would imagine even any of his other books we're gonna put jason on the spot
0: kai okenshield asks what's it like to have a head so full of books
2: annoying really (laughs) annoying you know i'm so I'm supposed to be writing a biography of Raymond Buckland right now. But what I really want to do is write the Great Goddess of the Witches, which is an idea in my head. And I also want to write my Wiccan Witchcraft one oh one book. So yeah, it just kinda of plagues you.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's an ordeal you must yeah, endure. <laughs> can't
2: escape it. Yeah. But then after that I hopefully I'm out of ideas. You know. It's it's been a lot of words in a short period of time.
0: That's true. So Swan asks, what's next after the Greek deities book? So what's next on the, the publishing docket?
2: The, the Buckland book is signed and contracted for, though I'll have to, I have to tell you that I don't talk about my problems very often. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you what football team I like on social media and that kind of thing, but I don't really, really talk about my problems. But I have really had trouble during COVID and during the lockdown mm-hmm. and not being a part of my extended community
1: yeah i love going
2: to festivals i love seeing everybody and i just really haven't had the bandwidth to really write so i have this buckland book that i'm supposed to be working on and i've done some prep work on it but i haven't really written a a word in a couple of months
1: Mm, i understand Uh, i
2: have to get back on the horse soon but then buckland and then hopefully the other two books and i may write one of those other two books while i'm writing the buckland book we will we will see that is yeah.
1: fair enough. Absolutely. Good, good luck
0: to you and I. Uh, my sympathies and and I vibe with that because we were so disappointed when convocation
1: fell through. Oh God, yes,
2: so so disappointed. Oh, it was it was a shock to the system. I, yeah. I was like, well, the numbers will go down by then. They'll go down by then, and they did. I think they probably could have done it, but it was probably for the best. Not yeah, to do it. yeah. But wow, it was. It's been rough. Hopefully, things take a turn and. We can do some more festivals and stuff this year. Mm -hmm. We did Paganicon last weekend, so that was exciting to sort of be back.
1: Yeah, absolutely. In
2: the saddle, so
1: to speak. Get back out there. Yeah. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So, Roshala has another question. How can we get a copy in such a manner that you get the greatest amount of the proceeds?
2: So, I often sell books on my Etsy shop, and... Because of, like, you get deals with Llewellyn when you're an author. You can buy a book from them for 50% off. So, like, if I sell it for $24, I paid $12 for it. So that's where I get the most money. However, it's really good sometimes for people to buy things online because it helps me in the algorithm. Mm. I think it's really important to support your local witch store. Mm. And I think that's really the best place to buy my books because which stores offer community, they offer resources. I think they're really, really important for our communities to thrive. There's not a whole lot of money in writing these books. No. You really have to, you know, be, you really have to love it. And you often have to have a spouse who will support you <laughs> so you can do it. Shout out Sorry.
1: to Ari. Shout out <laughs> to Ari.
2: <laughs> so I, I don't, when I, people ask, I don't, I tell them I don't care where they buy the books. Witch store, you know, if you want a signed copy, you can get a signed copy for me. You know, if you have to buy it on Amazon. And I know for some people, that's really their only choice. I get that too, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's all good. I get my dollar no matter what.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Rochelle says, you want to start a witch store up here on the Southern Oregon coast then?
2: Uh, that will be a long commute for me every day. (laughs) On the right coast though.
0: That's right.
2: You know, I used to... I used to entertain ideas about opening up a witch shop. You know, where we live, it's just the amount of startup money would be so immense yeah. that it just doesn't seem possible. Yeah. yeah. If you do open a store, though, I'll go there. There you uh, go. I will drive up there, give you a free weekend of workshops. You can charge people whatever you want and keep all the money. I don't care. I'll just be happy to see people.
0: Yeah. Keep that in mind then, Roshala. Yep. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> all right. It looks like that's it for... Questions: Ryan and Gray asked if uh, Audible is the only way to get the audio version of *The Horned God*, but my guess is yes.
2: Right now, I haven't read it on I haven't read it on the Patreon yet. I think eventually I will, but I feel like I probably I could be stepping on toes and there might be licensing right. issues if I mm-hmm. do it there. Mm-hmm. So I haven't I haven't done that yet. Yeah. I've read the Yule book there. I've read *The Witch's Athame*. I've read all of *Transformative Witchcraft*. Reading books is a lot harder than people think it is. Too yes, it is. I mean, it could be. It's a, lot, it's a lot of work. You, you just don't realize how long it's going to take you to read a chapter out loud. You know, I would do a chapter at a time. And even in the short book, sometimes that was 45 minutes.
1: Yeah. How about, Jason, you want to give us a, a, a little sneak peek about the, the book that you have coming out next with Estrella, the one about the Greek gods?
2: Yes. So my next book is, oh, you know, you know what's <laughs> crazy is i don't even know the title of that book it sounds <laughs> great book. which sounds absolutely ridiculous right like that i don't know the title of one of my own books but when you write a book for llewellyn they're the la- they're the ones who decide what the title is so sometimes you know like they disagree so my next book and I just had to look it up. It's called Modern Witchcraft with the Greek Gods, History, Insights, and Magical Practices. I thought it was going to be called something else. Um, but that's, the next, that's the next book. That comes out the first week of December. And there are thousands of Greek gods. So not every god is in there. But there are a couple hundred gods in there. We spend a lot of time with the Olympians. There's a history of each of the major deities especially deities honored by witches and, of course, all the Olympians and then gods and goddesses that are close to the olympians like persephone and hades obviously if i wrote a book about the greek gods and didn't cl- include hecate you know there would probably oh, be problems there'd so be there is obviously in there there would yes, be problems with me jason <laughs> yeah i was really happy with how her history section came out so there's like a little history and mm-hmm. it's not just histories of though this is how this goddess was worshipped in ancient greece it's histories that go beyond that because One of the things about the Greek gods, they have become so foundational in Mm. so many cultures and so many lives for 25 plus hundred years now, Mm -hmm. and they're constantly being reimagined and reinterpreted and we're finding new things out about them and their worship has changed and transformed over time. So, you know, it talks about them in places like ancient Athens and then Rome and then in the medieval period and into the modern period. There are bits of the book that contain personal insights of various people who work with particular deities. Mm -hmm. Again, this is a way for me to not have to write as much by having people write bits for us and almost all of the gods have one of those bits except for Ares. Mm. Uh, nobody likes Ares, but you know what they didn't really like him very much in ancient greece either. <laughs>
0: that's very true
2: i always have to look over my shoulder after saying things like that there's no there's no personal slide intended great god of war and then and then there's a third part of all those major sections called working with mm. and is more of a spell writer, so there's, like, spells, like, they, I think she wrote spells, maybe, like, with Aphrodite or something like that. And then I'm, of course, more of a ritual person, so all of my contributions to that end are rituals. Uh, so I like that it's different, you know, it shows you different ways of working with deities. And then there are smaller sections on gods like Helios and other major figures, some things about how to ritual Greek and Roman holidays, in case you want to celebrate the gods in that particular way. And there's a long history of the Greek gods that I wrote that I'm really happy with from their ancient beginnings amongst the Indo-Europeans to the modern era. That's the next book. I have to say, it's been really great talking to the two of you today because most people are talking to me about the Greek gods book already. And I'm like, (laughs) no, I'm in the cycle for the spellcraft book, you have to talk to me about the spellcraft book. We can even talk about the Horn God book, but you can't talk about the book out in December for your podcast in February.
1: It's too early. It's too early. Yeah, we'll we'll have to have yeah. you back on for a fourth our time in November for the for the Greek Gods book because uh,
0: I don't even work with the Greek Gods, and I'm I'm already can tell I'm going to need this book. Oh yeah,
2: definitely. Well, maybe we can bring Estrella too, and then yeah, Andy. yeah, and then and then it's not just Jason is his fourth time. Cause that just seems like it might break the world. It would be Jason 3.5. It would be then. Okay.
1: That would be awesome. Uh-huh. That would be, especially if you and Australia both could, could join us and talk about this book. I'm excited about it because as you know, I'm a Hecatean, but I'm also starting to work with Hera. And so it's been really challenging actually finding out information about her. That mm-hmm. isn't kind of um, mean. Right. <laughs> You know.
2: I, I, I will tell you that one of my, I have many favorite parts of this book and it was hard to write because it, you know, again, during COVID, right? When you can't mm-hmm. travel and do things and finding the inspiration, was difficult. The Hera part is one of my favorite parts of the book. When you read mythology about Hera, it is not flattering. No. She comes across poorly in almost every myth that she's mentioned in. The Greeks had an entirely different relationship with Hera. Uh, where she was a goddess that was truly loved and revered and people felt close to her. And mm-hmm. you just don't get that in the myths. I might just send you that tomorrow because, cause I want you to read it. I love that part of the book. I was one of the things about books and I'm sorry, I'm an author. I like listening to myself. talk. You know, one of the things about writing a book is it's always a journey. Right. And mm-hmm. you, you know, you think that you know enough about something to write about it. But then when you start writing about it, you realize, I probably don't. I need to do more work and more research. And the Greek gods project was a lot like that, you know, re, you know that had to do more research on goddesses like Hera. I am not particularly close to Hecate, which, you know, is probably going to get me removed from the <laughs> witchcraft world. So having to having to write about her, you know, was challenging uh, because, it, you know, a lot of it was sort of new to me. In a sense, because that's a figure that's not a major figure in the m- myths of the Greeks, no. right? I mean, she kind of exists in this other separate world outside of the Olympian bubble, which is fascinating. And then, you know, in the modern era, we've turned her into a crone for some reason I don't understand and right? all of these things. So <laughs> so it's fascinating to you know, do the research and find out what you don't know and go on those journeys with various deities.
1: I'm, I'm certainly glad you and Estrella did that. And I think it was a book that is was is definitely going to be mm-hmm. needed. But until then, people, because right. that one's not out yet. Pick up The Witch's Book of Spellcraft. The Witch's Book of Spellcraft, a practical guide to connecting with the magic of candles, crystals, plants, and herbs. And right. this part isn't in the subtitle, but it covers so much more than that. So much more. <laughs> By Jason Mankey, Matt Cavalli, Amanda Lynn, and Ari Mankey. Get it. Get the book. Get the book.
0: Buy the book. Maybe then they'll make an audio of it.
1: Buy the book. <laughs> and then demand an audio of it.
0: Because <laughs> it's awesome. It's a great book. I'm going to need my own hard copy. Yeah, I will Because Quinn's let... going to hoard this one.
1: Yeah, I, I'm not sharing this one. <laughs> we share a lot of books. Not this one. Not this one. <laughs> We're this... each
0: going to need our own. This is mine. I'm going to need one I can highlight. That's right. All right. Thank you very much for speaking with us today, Jason. We appreciate you. And thank you for being patient with how long it took me to get you on the podcast.
2: <laughs> no, I mean, three times. Wow. I mean, <laughs> this, you, you know, once I get to five, you'll have to, like, make me a special five-timers jacket.
0: Yep, yep. <laughs> You'll, you'll be an official like guest host. That's
1: right. That's right. <laughs> Jason, maybe.
2: Three pagans and a cat and Jason. That's
0: uh-huh, right. Exactly. That's right.
1: Exactly. Well, please tell Ari hello and please let Amanda and Matt know that we just think this is a fabulous book. We love everything you guys did together and we just appreciate you taking the time to, to be with us and to share all this information. Yep. So. And
0: everyone in the, the Discord is thanking you as well. Yep.
2: Thank you all. It's always a pleasure to talk to you all. I miss you and can't wait to see you at at the latest next February.
1: Yes, at the next event we can all possibly be at. That's right. We miss you too. And we're going to look forward to be actually be able to be in your presence be physically proximate once more. That's right. That's right. All right. Well, I guess that's it for us tonight. Yep. You You can
0: find us on google by googling the number three and the letters p a a c jason how can they find you on google that's right
2: they google my name they'll find lots of things if you scroll down long enough you'll find a christian minister with the same name don't click on that
1: <laughs> leave that one alone <laughs> leave that one. not the christian dude and then um are you still writing on uh patheos pagan
2: i write periodically on Pathos pagan There's the Jason Patreon that starts at $2, and that's really all you should ever pay is $2. And, yeah, you know, I'm on social media and all that, too. And then I do the Witch With Books podcast over with the Witch With People. So, yeah, lots of of stuff. Always lots of stuff. Good. Go,
0: go follow Jason on all the things. That's right. That's Buy right. his
1: books. Absorb Men. his knowledge. And remember, he's got so many books. And <laughs> he's going to have so many more. And you just got to support these books. Because we love Jason and we want him to keep writing.
0: Yes. We want to bully
1: him into continuing to write. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Forever. Forever.
2: <laughs> Thank you.
1: <laughs> but yeah, that's it for us tonight. Google us. We love you to all of our patrons and our listeners. Yeah. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.
2: Thank you.